Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. We're into another installment of our Closing the Gap series, where we explore racial and socioeconomic disparities in Chicago and around the country. And we talk with problem solvers who are working to address them. Now, this week, we're looking at inequalities in transportation. Equity is an increasing part of our national dialogue, as we've become familiar with terms like food deserts, technology deserts, and healthcare deserts. And we love and depend on our cars. Before the pandemic, 85% of Americans used a car to get to work. But millions cannot access transportation and are excluded from their own communities. They find themselves trapped inside what are called transit deserts. With us now is the person who coined the term transit deserts and who's done groundbreaking research on the subject covering America's major cities, including Chicago. Jun Feng Zhao is Associate Professor of the Community and Regional Planning Program and Founding Director of the Urban Information Lab at the University of Texas School of Architecture. Now you can see an interactive map of the worst transit deserts by going to Jun Feng's website at transitdeserts.org. Hi Jun Feng, welcome to Reset. Hey Sasha, thank you so much for having me. Let's start with the basics, Jun Feng. What is a transit desert? A transit Desert is the neighborhood where the transit demand exceeds the transit supply. So you can imagine you have a, a high demand for public transportation system, but the supply is so low, people have to wait in line to get on bus or bus never come. That's a true situation for transit desert. So a city where demand for transit is high, but the supply is low. Now, how did you come up with the term? What led you to pursue research on this issue? That's a great question. When I was a PhD student at the University of Washington, my girlfriend and our wife, we always take a bus to go to Chinatown or International District to buy groceries. And we don't have a car. Basically, we have to wait in line and wait for bus to come pick us up. And most time, we have to wait 30 minutes or more. And you can imagine in this uh, raining, dark, gray Seattle night mm-hmm. or afternoon, that's not a pleasant experience for me right. and for my wife. Uh, so I was thinking, as an urban planner or transportation planner, can I do something about that? Then I made my mind, I want to quantify people's demand and supply for public transportation. And I was looking around, maybe we're living in a transit desert. That's how I come up with the term transit desert. So what are some of the major indicators then of transit deserts? Yes, so when we measure transit data, we have to measure two sides of equation, the transportation demand and transportation supply. So let me go with the transportation supply. We have to measure the frequency of the bus, the density of bus stop, and the surrounding environment. When I mean surrounding environment, we have to measure the density of sidewalk, the density of bike lane, the density of low-speed streets, the density of intersections, the density of crosswalks, 
and so on and so on. Okay. The reading we're trying to quantify uh, the service of public transportation system, also the existing infrastructure to support that public transportation system. Then we come to the transportation demand side. So basically, we have to measure uh, the number of people who is eligible to drive to drive a car in a neighborhood, also the car ownership in that neighborhood, as well as the income level and education level. Uh, so we use that as an indicator trying to measure affordability of mm -hmm. personal vehicles. So when we measure both demand and supply side, we will run some special analysis trying to figure out where the trended desert is located within cities. And so you've checked out all cities across the country. Which ones have the worst transit deserts? Uh, <laughs> good question. So I would say, unfortunately, uh, some cities in the Midwest region and the South region has the worst transit desert uh -oh. for all. Uh, for all the cities in our country. So are you saying Chicago's on that list? What did you find here? <laughs> um, Chicago is a wonderful city. Uh, but. There's always a but. <laughs> yes. Chicago has many neighborhoods has been designated a trendy desert. So I have some number I can share with you. Sure. Let me go with the national level. Uh, as a country, we started all major cities in the country. We found 25 million people living in transit desert. That's a very huge number. Um, for Chicago, we have uh, close to a million people living in transit desert. We will say 9% to 10% of the whole population within Chicago, uh, Napa uh, Valley, and Elgin. Uh, metropolitan statistic area are living transit deserts. So the number is 9%, which is 950,000 people living transit deserts in the whole Chicago region. 950,000. Wow. Okay, so how do the transit deserts break down according to race? Well, let me go back to the national level. We found as a country people living transit deserts uh, not only had a disadvantage of getting on a bus, but also their income is significantly lower than their peers. As a country, for people who live in a transit desert, 19% of them are living below the poverty line. Also, they're significantly more vulnerable than their peers who not live in a transit desert. That's just for the whole country. Yes, for people who live in transit deserts, most of them are minority populations. Let me get your number uh, for Chicago area. So we have uh, around 4.5 million minority people in Chicago metropolitan area. So 12% or 13% of them are living in transit deserts. That's over half million uh, minority population in Chicago area living in transit deserts. If you remember what I just mentioned earlier, 9% for the city overall population-wide living in transit desert. Right. But 13% minority are in Chicago area living in transit deserts. Wow, what a contrast there. So they're not only has less public transportation infrastructure, they also suffer other related consequences. What are the related consequences? So they have to budget their life 
and work based on bus schedules. They have to schedule their daily activity based on the bus schedules. So they have to buffer extra hours or half hours to plan for their daily activities. This will put tremendous pressure both physically and mentally to their bodies. This will limit their upward mobility just by leaving a transit desert. Hmm. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is our Closing the Gap series where we identify inequities in our society and look for solutions. This time we are focused on transportation. And with us now is Junfeng Zhao. He's founding director of the Urban Information Lab at the University of Texas School of Architecture. He coined the term transit desert. Now you can see an interactive map of the worst transit deserts by going to Junfeng's website, which is at transitdeserts.org. Junfeng, what forms of transportation outside of cars, for example, micromobility, could fill those equity gaps? Sasha, that's a wonderful question. I also wondering about this question since I created the term trendy desert. What I found, we basically studied major cities, New York and Chicago and Austin. We found first shared mobility, which is Uber, Lyft and TNCs, cannot solve trendy desert problem. Shared micro-mobilities has a modest impact to reduce transit desert, better than TNC, Uber, and Lyft, but it's not enough to completely remove transit desert in any cities. Hmm. So Junfeng, can you give some examples of micro-mobility? Micro-mobility refers to shared bike, shared e-scooter, share the e-bike. That's a kind of solution designed to solve the first and last mile problem in any country, in any cities, uh, because on average, uh, this kind of transportation mode will travel 0.8 to 1.2 miles, and people will use it for 10 minutes. That's perfect solution for first and last mile problems. But uh, a major problem is you can get people to the bus station or train station, but if there's no bus or train at that station, people are still stuck at that location. So that's what I mean by shared micromobility has the potential to remove the first and last mile barriers, but just by themselves alone, they cannot solve the transit data problem in mm-hmm. the country. Well, let's talk a bit more about solutions. What cities in the U.S. or around the world would you say are doing things right? What could we in Chicago learn from those places? I would say Dallas and New York are doing a good job trying to connect people to their works and trying to reduce transit debt problem. Don't get me wrong. I think Chicago are doing a wonderful job uh, provide a public transportation system. The thing is trying to specifically identify some neighborhood we need, not just to spread the funding to whole cities. We have to basically identify some important neighborhood which suffer most and provide a laser-focused solution to that neighborhood. This is what I see in some successful cities when they're trying to remove transit desert or reduce the first and last mile problems. And I see Chicago has a wonderful infrastructure already exists. 
And so what about a country like China? You know, for instance, Shanghai has seen an explosion in the number of transit lines and its revolutionized connectivity. And Shanghai and Chicago are sister cities. So talk about what's been happening in China. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about that. I think as a country, uh, U.S. should invest in more in public transportation system. And I think uh, uh, Shanghai is an example to uh, if we significantly increase investment in public transportation system, provide a lot of uh, economic incentives for business to operate in a suburban area and reduce related carbon emission and uh, private vehicle usage. I think both Shanghai and Chicago has a lot lot to learn from each other. I believe uh, we can learn in the Shanghai from uh, how they develop extensive light rail or subway network and uh, how they connect with uh, micro-mobility to connect uh, neighborhood to stations. Shanghai also can learn from Chicago uh, how different uh, land use has been planned according to different station locations. So by invest in mass transit system, we basically create a better city for people to live in, for people to talk, communicate, and interact with each other. I feel this is probably not a time because we are in a, a COVID. We're still in COVID yeah, time. We sure but, are. But I want to emphasize, we should not worry about taking train or bus because of this and that. We should definitely embrace mass transit system. What do you think the government can do on its own to bring about solutions? And, and what elements might require public-private partnerships? Sasha, that's a great question. Honestly, I don't think this should be a government problem uh, to itself. It should be a collaboration between government and transportation companies and individual citizens. It should be a complete partnership to solve this problem between these different parties. Government should provide incentives for transportation network company, transit company to run operation in these transit desert areas. We all know a company need to make profit to be responsible for its stakeholders or owners. So most time, the transit desert neighborhood, the income is low. So a company probably had a good intention to deploy their devices or vehicles in this neighborhood. But if they cannot sustain economically, that's not going to be a long-term solution. This will be opportunity for the government to come in to provide incentives for the companies to operate in this different neighborhood. I think involve local citizens in the neighborhood, we should not just say, okay, we will just uh, jump into your neighborhood, we're going to solve this problem. Most time, we think we know the problem is, but we don't know. We need to work with the local communities to co-design, co-build, co-operate the solutions yeah. in that neighborhood to make it sustainable and a long-term access. Well, that, that highest level of government, the Biden administration, they're promising a major infrastructure bill. So what do you hope to see in the bill? Um, I'm very happy to answer this question. I think we already have enough highways, but as a country, we lack significant behind other developed countries, OECD countries, in terms of public transportation system. If we want to build a more sustainable more dynamic economy and compete with other countries in the world. I think significantly investing in mass transportation system and the related system at least should be considered. 
Junfeng Zhao is associate professor in the Community and Regional Planning Program and founding director of the Urban Information Lab at the University of Texas School of Architecture. He coined the term transit desert. You can see an interactive map of the largest transit deserts in the U.S. by going to Junfeng's website at transitdeserts.org. Junfeng, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you, Shasha. And that's today's Reset. Make sure you check out the pod tomorrow. We'll wrap up this latest Closing the Gap series with a look at a collaboration by Cook County, Metra, and Pace as they work on getting discounted train tickets and increased bus service to underserved communities south and southwest of Chicago. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.